Welcome to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 90 of Natural MD Radio. Here's a fact about me that probably won't surprise you, but I'm sure you don't know. I was a spelling bee and science fair geek. I loved words, no surprise, and I loved natural science, anything to do with astronomy, ecology, biology, it had my name on it to the point that, well, most of my science exploration happened at my grandparents' house. I was born and raised in housing project, apartment complex in New York City, but my mom's parents had a little prefab house in Long Island on a corner postage stamp piece of property, but there was green and there were trees and there were rocks. And my grandfather had a garage with a workbench and lots of tools and goggles. So I was known to do things like go around from from the time I was like kindergarten, first grade, collect rocks, put on these goggles, go to the workbench, hammer them open, look what was inside them, create these rock collections. When I would ride my bicycle around my grandparents' neighborhood, my rule was that any flowers that were growing over a fence, if they were overhanging on the sidewalk, were public property. So I collected flowers and I would press them. My grandfather had a set of world book encyclopedias, so I would press them and the poor books were filled with plant stains. And I loved creating any kind of kind of just like a contraption or equipment or machinery. So my first science fair uh, contribution or entry, which I actually won first place in my school science fair was in first grade. I made an electromagnet and each year my science exploration got a little bit more elaborate and each year it got more oriented toward biology because by fourth grade, I was pretty sure I wanted to be a doctor. So in sixth grade, I entered the New York City Science Fair. Well, I entered in my school and I won my school and I went to the full New York City Science Fair, the kind of science fair that's a really big deal and actually could lead to the Westinghouse, a famous science award. And I didn't win first place. I actually came in third place in that science fair and it was hugely exciting. Okay, what's all this got to do with today's podcast? Well, my project actually was on the function of the liver. It involved all kinds of gross stuff like comparative livers from frogs and chickens in various jars. The former I'd dissected, the latter from my grandmother's butcher. And while I'm not proud of and don't engage in animal research anymore, uh, those days are far behind me. My science geekism is alive and well. And as you're about to learn today, still involves keeping up on research about the liver. So let's dive into episode 90, how detoxification really works. And this is the second in a series on detoxification. And the one even prior to that, episode 88, was about how detoxification, when it's done improperly, can actually tank your thyroid. But first, before we dive into all the juicy stuff, I have three big favors to ask you. And these are to subscribe, rate and review this podcast, and 
tell a friend. These three things are so important for this show. First, subscribing helps the show rise in the rankings on the various servers that present it, like iTunes. And that means it brings it to the attention of more women like you who are seeking information that will let them be the CEO of their health. Your support has kept the show displayed, for example, in what's hot in alternative medicine since the very beginning of the podcast in 2017, so for almost two years running. Leaving a review also helps the show. There are a lot of podcasts out there, ladies, and while this one is particularly unique, women are looking for the best ones in a sea of options. Your ratings and reviews help a lot because women say, hey, this person liked it, I'm going to give it a try too. Also, most podcasts are produced by big companies or with a lot of venture capital, and then there's me. I don't take any money. I'm actually paying for these podcasts out of pocket, and I take no advertising and no sponsors so that you can really trust that the information isn't coming with a secondary intention of selling something. It's pure and true information to help you live a better life and take your health back. So you and your reviews and your word of mouth sharing are the advertising for this show. Which brings me to the third ask. Please tell your friends about Natural MD Radio. Since they're your friends, I bet a lot of them would be interested too. If they're not app or podcast savvy, you can tell them how to subscribe too. It's really easy. Simply take them to avivaram.com forward slash podcast. On that page, there are buttons for iTunes and one for SoundCloud, both places you can go listen to the show. There are also other options for Natural MD Radio, such as Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. All you have to do is put Natural MD Radio into a web search, and they'll all show up, and you can pick where to listen and subscribe. So if you enjoy this show, make sure you subscribe rate and review and tell a friend. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, now for the juicy stuff of our podcast today. In our last episode together, we talked about body burden, which means what your body is retaining and what it's not eliminating of the environmental chemicals that we're exposed to. I shared just a tip of the iceberg of what we're exposed to in our environment. For example, I told you about the cocktail of over 81 pharmaceuticals found in salmon in Puget Sound off the coast of Northwest United States, including Prozac, Advil, Benadryl, Lipitor, cocaine, Cipro, Floxacin, which is a black box warning antibiotic, as well as other antibiotics, along with Flonase, Aleve, Tylenol, Paxil, Valium, Zoloft, Tagamet, Oxycontin, Darvon, Nicotine, and Caffeine. And those were just a few of the drugs and toxins that may have been destined for yours and my dinner table. The researchers also found residues of enormous numbers of other products, including personal care products, anticoagulants, fungicides, and antiseptics in these fish. Of note, over 80,000 chemicals are currently in circulation in our world, and 90% of these have never been tested for safety in human health. Fewer than 200 known to be toxic to the nervous system have been tested for safety in vulnerable populations like children, older adults, or pregnant women. Those in the salmon I talked about are just a smattering of what we're exposed to in our environment on a daily basis. These contaminants are found literally everywhere on the planet. 
And what we now know is that the levels that were initially estimated to be toxic levels of these chemicals are far lower at which they can actually start to do damage. We know that nanoparticles of chemicals can cause changes in how our bodies function. Just some of the symptoms that people experience due to body burden include fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, joint pain, chemical sensitivities, headache, cognitive function problems, everything from brain fog to serious cognitive decline, including Alzheimer's, obesity, allergies, rashes and hives, just to name a few. We know that environmental toxins can activate the HPA axis of which the adrenals are part of. We hear a lot about adrenal problems. They can cause Hashimoto's as well as other autoimmune diseases. There are now many articles, including one in Endocrinology, a really well-known and well-respected medical journal listed that demonstrate that the body clock can be altered detrimentally by exposure to environmental toxins. Interference with thyroid function, increased inflammation, and mitochondrial damage, which controls the energy of our cells, can all be the result. Metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, and much more can be the result of inflammation that happens as a result of our exposure to these environmental toxins. Interestingly, kids who live in highly pesticided environments have behavioral problems and learning problems proportional to the exposure of pesticides that they're getting. And there are links in many magazine articles that show us the connection between all kinds of neurocognitive conditions, cancer, and environmental exposure and body burden. Endocrine disruption, including alterations in sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, are a big, big problem with our exposure to environmental toxins. Even dysbiosis, disruption in the gut microbiome, is an effect of environmental toxicity. Various environmental chemicals, particularly heavy metals, can alter our gut flora and change various functions in our gastrointestinal tract, including our ability to absorb nutrients and to detoxify, which partly, as you'll learn today, happens in the gut. Women bear a particular brunt of body burden, as do our little ones in utero. A 2009 study of the Environmental Working Group found 232 chemicals in the umbilical cords of newborns, and this study has been reproduced by other organizations, including one that found almost 300 chemicals. And much of what we're seeing, for example, earlier puberty in girls as young as six years old, not in small numbers, have a lot to do with the excess hormones that we're being exposed to from our environment, hormones that are a result of endocrine disruptors like phthalates, BPA, BPS, and others. This is a significant problem. In addition, we know that fibroids, endometriosis, depression, which affects as many as one in three women who are on antidepressants, for example, and much more than men, PCOS, subfertility and infertility, breast and endometrial cancers, all of these have a link back to environmental chemicals. So I know this is scary. And the beautiful thing is that our bodies actually know what to do. But let's talk about detoxification and why it's important in the face of what we're being exposed to on a regular basis.
Detoxification is different than the term detox, which as I talk about with you in the last episode is a popular term for a short or medium length change in eating habits that's meant to reduce body burden and improve what we're really talking about today, metabolic detoxification. And while many of the detox programs that you can find on the internet or on the market do at least help us to go organic and typically reduce our short-term exposure to toxins in our food, not all of them actually support the body's natural detoxification processes. And some, as I talk about in episode 88, may do more harm than good, especially for some women. Okay, so what is detoxification? What am I talking about? Detoxification is a series of processes that happen in your body every day. They happen in your liver, intestines, kidneys, your skin and sweat glands, your lymph nodes. And these processes break down and eliminate the byproducts that we naturally produce or expose to just as a fact of being a human being. Eating, using up our hormones, and even thinking Yes, our brain has its own detoxification system too, which is why sleep is so important. All of these processes that we do day in and day out all lead to naturally built up chemical byproducts that have to be neutralized, packaged, and eliminated by our bodies. We didn't just develop these detoxification systems in the past 60 or 70 years since we've had all this environmental exposure. Our detoxification systems are ancient and were designed to keep us safe from our own chemical waste products and also from the constituents we were inevitably going to be exposed to in our exploration of the plants that we could eat as food and those that we couldn't eat safely in our world as hunters, gatherers, and foragers. The part of metabolic detoxification that we're going to focus on primarily happens in the liver, where there is a series of enzymatic reactions that neutralize and solubilize toxins. That means they make them non-toxic and make them able to be dissolved in water, and then they transport them to the organs that help us eliminate them. The goal of metabolic detoxification is to eliminate hormones, break down products of vitamins, inflammatory molecules, signaling compounds, environmental toxins, prescription drugs, and even plant compounds that we still get exposed to if we use herbal medicines, if we use herbs and spices, or even just from eating our daily fruits and vegetables. We also rely on these pathways to tackle and keep us safe from the onslaught of chemicals we're exposed to every day. The problem is the sheer volume that we're exposed to is so great that it threatens to overload these natural systems. And also, as you're going to learn about in the next episode of Natural MD Radio, these systems rely on a range of vitamins, minerals, and the important plant compounds I'm going to teach you about in the next episode called phytochemicals that most of us are deficient in. So we're facing a crisis in which our detoxification systems are simultaneously overloaded, yet lack what we need nutritionally to keep our detoxification systems resilient and functioning top-notch. Let me tell you much more about detoxification, and we're going to get into some of that geeky science fair sixth grader part of me that I totally still am, and I promise you I know much more about the liver than I did when I was in sixth grade, and I've also discovered that it's way cooler and more complex than anything I ever imagined. In the liver, we do something called hepatic detoxification. Hepatic is just another way of saying the liver. And 
most of the detoxification that we do, the big bulk of it is happening in a two-phase process that happens in the liver. Phase one is the breakdown of what we call endogenous and exogenous chemicals. In plain English, that means the ones that we make inside of ourselves, endogenous, and those that we pick up from the environment, exogenous. Endo means inside and exo means outside. Some of them get broken down and eliminated straight away through the bladder or intestines, as in we pee them out or we poop them out. Others, however, present a unique challenge. They aren't water-soluble. They don't mix in water. So we have to break them down in our bodies and attach them to molecules that make them water-soluble. But when many of these specific kinds of compounds go through phase one, there's a period of time in which they are more toxic than the original compound. These in-between products are called toxic intermediates. What happens is they become more polar. They become more like a battery and less fat soluble. So they're more toxic and don't at the same time get taken back up into the cells, but they're also not getting eliminated well. And so they're circulating around in our bodies and in our livers as what's called reactive oxygen intermediates, leading to tissue damage because of free radicals. This becomes a vicious cycle because the tissue damage then creates more free radicals and round and round we go. What's supposed to happen is they're quickly taken up into something called phase two, which is the conjugation or binding of these intermediates into water-soluble compounds that we can readily get rid of by peeing them out or pooping them out. These processes are called biotransformation. You have to have adequate biotransformation involving balanced phase one and phase two. So for example, if you had too much phase one, you'd be breaking down a lot of chemicals into toxic intermediates. But if your phase two is sluggish, you can't eliminate them readily and they circulate around causing damage. A lot of what you're going to learn in episode 91 is how to support these phases with the nutrients and phytochemicals that allow these processes to work smoothly and efficiently and also protect you from the damage of those toxic intermediates. But the bottom line is that detoxification is a real thing and it's a thing that your body is doing all day and every day and you can support it with a healthy diet and as you'll learn in the next episode, if you need a little extra reinforcement, specific supporting nutrients and herbs. Now, genetics play a role in our detoxification powers. Each of us has a unique ability to detoxify chemicals that we're exposed to depending on our individual genetic makeup. And epigenetics, which means the areas around our genes, can also make a difference. So we can influence our genetics also by the foods we eat and the herbs we use, which we're going to talk about more again in the next episode. But for now, I want to help you understand some of these genetic individualities and how they might influence you because it could help you to have a good understanding of why some of us may be a little bit more like canaries in the coal mine. You might have heard, for example, about the MTHFR gene being important for healthy detoxification and how some people have switches in this gene that may put them in increased health risks. This is partly true, and in Natural MD Radio episode 52, 
M-T-H-F-R-W-T-F is it? I hopefully dispel some of the myths and fears about MTHFR. But it definitely does have to do with the efficiency and effectiveness of phase two detoxification, as do some other genetically programmed enzymes like one called COMT. The most common of these gene changes are called single nucleotide polymorphisms or SNPs. And they're really, really common and generally nothing to be worried about. But like I said, they do explain why some of us may be more susceptible, for example, to the consequences of exposure to certain environmental toxins. We may be more or less sensitive to pharmaceuticals. And some of you may actually be more highly reactive to pharmaceuticals because you don't break them down very fast, or you might be really a low reactor to pharmaceuticals. A lot of them just don't work for you because you break them down so fast. This can also explain why some of us are more susceptible to stress because we don't break down our stress hormones and chemicals quite as well, like adrenaline, or to alcohol. I, for example, have an extremely low alcohol tolerance, a few sips of white wine, and I'm already feeling a buzz. So I tend to not drink because I don't feel good when I do. Some of you may have that experience, and it may be because you have some of these changes in your genetic makeup. Now, again, these changes are incredibly common, like MTHFR changes, about 40% of the population have them. But in times gone by, before we were exposed to all this chemical onslaught, and when our diets were closer to nature and we got more fruits, vegetables, fiber, and essential fatty acids in our diet, for example, it didn't really have as much of an impact on us as it might now. Now, phase one detoxification includes something called the cytochrome P450 enzyme pathway. Just to clarify, an enzyme is a chemical that helps to what's called catalyze or speed up or slow down other chemical reactions in your body. The cytochromes are one example of a series of enzymes, and they're interrelated to each other in that they're all involved in detoxification and metabolism of chemicals, including pharmaceuticals. We have several different series of these types of enzymes, and cytochrome P450 ones are particularly involved in the metabolism or breakdown of many pharmaceuticals, drugs, and environmental exposures. They're called cytochrome P450 because of their ability to refract light at 450 frequency. Some of them are involved in metabolizing certain types of medications. So different chemicals, medications, and drugs, alcohol, tobacco, pesticides, herbicides, hormones, etc., require different ones of these several different types, P450 being one of them. Cytochromes are involved in processes with names like oxidation, reduction, hydrolysis, hydration, and dehalogenation. These are terms that you may have heard of and you're going, oh my goodness, I remember that from biochemistry. Or if you've never taken biochemistry, they may be completely new to you. These biochemistry terms simply describe the breakdown of molecules into smaller molecules, usually by removing a part of the original molecule. That's how they become toxic intermediates, some part of that molecule that might have kept it stable and bound to fat, for example, might now be off of it and make it a little bit more wild or reactive. In phase two, 
these smaller molecules become conjugated or bound to sulfur compounds, glucuronides, glutathione, acetylates, amino acids, and methyls. Now, sulfur compounds, for example, are very um, widely found in our foods, in things like garlic and onions, and even some of our green vegetables. Amino acids are small particles that make up proteins, and methyls is where the MTHFR partly plays a role. We're going to put a pin in that for the next episode where I talk about how your foods contain the very compounds that you need for phase one and phase two to be perfectly, beautifully self-sustaining and efficient and effective, and how certain nutrient supplements can help us to improve those as well as herbs if we're experiencing symptoms that suggest that detoxification may be one of the disruptions that's happening in our total ecology, causing us symptoms or conditions. Now, once phase two happens, the little packages of bundled up chemicals, because they're bound to those compounds that I said they get conjugated to, are now water soluble, and they can be excreted through the kidneys by us urinating them out or they're excreted into the bile, which is formed in the gallbladder, and then we eliminate those through healthy stooling. So why do we run into detoxification problems? Well, there are a lot of factors that impair detoxification. The big ones being toxic overload, we're just getting more than we can handle at any one time, and that in combination with nutrient deficiencies, because you don't have enough of the nutrients you need, creates sort of a big problem for detoxification. Chronic disease can also impair detoxification, as can stress, because you're burning up some of the nutritional factors that you need dealing with the chronic stress or the chronic disease. Lack of exercise, lack of sleep, and chronic inflammation are some other factors that can affect detoxification from happening smoothly. Genetic deficiencies, or those SNPs that I mentioned, can increase or decrease the activity of those cytochrome P450 enzymes. If that enzyme's job is to break something down to make it less toxic, and then you have that enzyme decreased, then you're not breaking those compounds down as well, and then you have more toxic compounds. If those enzymes get increased and you have an excessively fast functioning phase one in relationship to phase two, you're going to get a lot of those toxic intermediates quickly, but you're not going to get rid of them as quickly. Now, there are some interesting SNPs that can happen. COMT, catechol O-methyltransferase, is a very popular SNP to test for in functional medicine. It's attributed to poor detoxification, particularly of things like caffeine, cocaine, and other stimulants, and stress hormones like neurotransmitters, including dopamine, epinephrine, and norepinephrine, also called adrenaline and noradrenaline. We typically associate these with a higher level of anxiety, for example, but you may also be someone who notices that you just don't tolerate caffeine. Green tea and coffee completely jack you up. They make your heart race. They make you feel anxious. You can't sleep. Maybe they tank your blood sugar. Now, it may be that there are other reasons for that, but a common reason is having one or two changes 
in these COMT genes. There's something called acetylation, and that's part of phase two. And this is associated with detoxification of a variety of environmental compounds, particularly tobacco smoke and exhaust fumes. People who are slow acetylators may be at higher risk, for example, for lung cancer if they're smokers than people who are smokers who don't develop lung cancer. There are many individual polymorphisms that act as protective factors also, which can explain why some people have a habit or an exposure and get sick, while others can have that same habit or exposure and don't get sick. Another really interesting pathway is the glutathione pathway, and this is incredibly important for environmental toxin detoxification. Everything from solvents to herbicides, fungicides, byproducts of oxidative stress in our body, as well as detoxification of heavy metals. Some people have really uh, plentiful stores of glutathione, but our environment typically causes us to use up a lot of glutathione, which is why people can become glutathione deficient. Interestingly, Tylenol also causes us to use up a lot of glutathione, and it's probably why Tylenol is not only associated with liver damage, it's one of the most frequent causes of liver damage in the United States, but also Tylenol use, for example, during pregnancy has been associated with neurologic changes, including ADHD and hyperactivity in babies whose moms were exposed during pregnancy, who used it during pregnancy. And there may be some increased risk because of this of also using uh, Tylenol around the time we give children vaccinations. So one of the things in my medical practice when parents are planning to vaccinate is I urge them never ever to use Tylenol before, during, or after the vaccinations because that glutathione is really important to help break down any toxins that have also been injected or administered along with the virus or uh, organism that's being delivered with that vaccination. There's an enzyme called superoxide dismutase. I told you I was a science geek. The SOD enzyme protects against oxidative stress and free radical damage to our cells, especially the membranes of our cells, of our mitochondria, which I'm going to do a separate podcast for you one of the days on mitochondria because they're really fascinating and a super great topic to talk about. They're really important for heart health, muscle health, and fertility. The SOD enzyme also specifically protects DNA. You have to have healthy functioning mitochondria for detoxification. And if your DNA, your genes are damaged, that's a pretty big deal. Methylation is another process in phase two, biotransformation. And that's where the methylfolate SNP is responsible for so many aspects of our health. Individuals who have two of the C677T SNPs with MTHFR, which I talk about again in episode 52, have as much as 70% or more impairment in their detoxification capacity. In the next episode, so don't worry, I'm going to teach you all about how to support healthy detoxification. But if you do want to learn more about MTHFR, go ahead and listen to that podcast. And don't worry about all these different links. If you head over to my website at avivaram.com forward slash nine zero, avivaram.com forward slash the number 90, 
For links, you'll find links to all the podcasts I've mentioned. And if you prefer reading, I've got articles that you can read for many of these as well. Now, detoxification and elimination are a dynamic duo. You have to break things down and then you have to eliminate them. So we always want to make sure that we're supporting both healthy gut function and healthy detoxification simultaneously. Interestingly, a healthy intestinal lining also has high concentrations of one of the cytochrome enzymes called P3A4. They all have numbers and letter combinations like this. And this P3A4 further supports detoxification. So the intestines are considered to be the home of phase three detoxification. In the intestinal villi, which are these little projections that come off the intestine and make us have a really high area for absorbing nutrients, we also have something called antiporters. Now, I know that sounds a lot like something that might beam you out in Star Wars, but these antiporters, what they do is they take and push out environmental chemicals that are being eliminated by the liver coming through the bloodstream into the intestine and they get pushed out of the intestinal cells so that we literally package them up and poop them out. These little tips of the intestinal villi though get damaged when there's intestinal inflammation and they even get destroyed in celiac disease and also by some common medications, possibly even ibuprofen. So it's really important that whenever we have any of the medical conditions that I've talked about that may be associated with environmental toxin exposure, that we also think about making sure that the intestines are really healthy. Additionally, and of course, nothing is complete these days without talking about the microbiome. The gut microbes themselves are able to transform and break down and bind and render harmless a variety of toxicants, which is the technical term for environmental toxins, rendering them non-toxic or less toxic and helping our intestines to eliminate them. Disruptions in the microbiome, which are incredibly common and called dysbiosis, can have a huge impact on detoxification. So again, a healthy gut is an incredibly important part of any detoxification plan. Now we will get to all of that in future podcasts, but in the meanwhile, you'll find a lot of information in past episodes, blogs on my website, and in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, where I have an entire gut healing plan. Also, you can join my mailing list for my 28-Day Gut Reset, a popular, highly successful, and very, very affordable plan for restoring gut health, which I offer a couple of times a year. So depending on when you're listening, it'll be offered again in January of 2019 next, and then again another time in 2019. So a big question you might be having right now is, do you need to detoxify? Well, the bottom line is that we're all detoxifying every single day. Our bodies do it naturally. If not, we'd have died out as a species when our ancestors were trying to figure out which mushrooms were okay to eat and which ones weren't. It's not something we have to supposed to do intentionally. It's something our body is supposed to do just naturally daily. But because we're both overexposed to environmental triggers and deficient in many of the nutrients and food-based chemicals we need to support detoxification, we do have to make a more conscious effort in our lives to mind the detoxification processes. So what can you do? 
in the next episode of Natural MD Radio, I'm going to tell you. In the meanwhile, remember, subscribe, rate and review and share. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me in my science geek sharing of what I will call um, liver detoxification 2.0. No frogs involved. See you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.